not there yet, in 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, you'll be looking at verses 10 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17. It's good to have the Newmans with us again this evening. It's uh, a treat to have them with us uh, now, and they're able to stop in now that they're busy traveling around, um, letting people know about the ministry that God has called them to, raising support. Uh, know that you all are in our prayers, and it is a privilege every time that you are back here with us to be able to worship with you. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, even as we have just sung, we know that we are so often wandering pilgrims. We get lost so easy, so easily we are drawn astray. And yet even this evening, we praise you for the sure foundation of the word of God, the light to our path, the lamp that lights our way. Father, we praise you that you have revealed yourself to us in the word and in Jesus Christ. And we pray this evening as we turn our attention to the Word of God that your Spirit would work for your glory in this passage. That you would convict us. That you would correct us. That you would instruct us in righteousness. So that you can be glorified in each and every one of our lives. May you be encouraged and challenged. And may you be lifted up. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Things are slowly but surely starting to open back up now. And if you are into sports at all, you've probably noticed that pretty much all the sports are starting to come back all at once. Just this week, baseball has picked up again for the first time this year. Uh, but baseball is back. I played baseball. <laughs> I played baseball growing up, and I was, I was a pitcher. Obviously, I wasn't that good at it because I'm not pitching anymore. But I, I loved it, and baseball is really a difficult sport when you stop to sit and to think about it. At first, it seems easy, right? There's not a lot of running. You kind of just get to stand around. You only have to run every once in a while, so you don't have to be as in good shape. It seems like if you're going to go professional in a sport, that's the sport to do it in, a sport where you can stand around a lot. <laughs> but the reality is that baseball is pretty difficult. When you think about it, you have a little ball about the size of your fist that's coming at you. If it's a good pitcher, somewhere around 100 miles an hour. And all you have is a little stick. And you have to keep that ball from getting to the catcher. You're trying to get it out into the outfield. Actually, you're trying to hit it over the fence if you're that good. But it's not just difficult for the pitcher, it's, for the batter, it's difficult for the pitcher. Because the pitcher has to get this ball past someone who's really good, who's trained their whole lives at stopping that ball from getting to the catcher. And so you have to put some English on that ball. You have to get it by him to get him out. It's a difficult task that you're called to, but there's a clear goal. You know what you're trying to do. And so if you watch, a lot of times pitchers, they're on this mound... This dirt, and you'll see them kind of kick their foot, right? They want to be to where their foot's not going to slip. They put it right next to the, to the pitcher's mound on, the, on the, the plate there. So it won't slip as they wind up. Because if it slips, then they're in trouble. 
They have difficult tasks, but they have a clear goal that they are trying to accomplish, and the first step in that is having good footing. As we come to our passage this morning, we'll see, this evening, we'll see that as Christians we have a difficult journey, but we have a clear path and we have a sure foundation on which to stand. And that solid footing is not something that we should take lightly. It's that foundation that gives us what we need to go forward through this difficult journey. So we'll start first, the difficult journey. Again, sound booth, this is not working, so if you guys could keep the slides moving as, as they come. But Paul starts out here writing to young Timothy, but you, Timothy, you have carefully followed my doctrine. Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, and afflictions. But you, that word but there at the beginning of verse 10, tells us that there's, there's something before that. If you remember last week in, verses, uh, in chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, we saw that, that times will change. That's for sure. But as the times change, be sure of this, that the truth will triumph. So as we come to verses 10, to the end of chapter 3, to verses 17, the question is, so then what about the road forward? What do I do? The times are going to change, that's for sure. But the truth will triumph, that's just as sure. So what do I do then? As a Christian, as someone who's on this journey of, of the Christian life, what do I do? And that's where Paul here turns his attention. He says, you, Timothy, you've carefully followed. The word there is you've paid special attention to. But notice, it's not just things that Paul teaches. My doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, but even my persecutions and my afflictions. You've paid careful attention to them. You've seen them. You've noted them. Many of them, you've been with me. You've, you've seen the scars, the signs. Timothy has been a faithful, loyal companion to Paul. He's had a front row seat to Paul's doctrine, to Paul's and to Paul's experience. In fact, he's had a front row seat to Paul's life and ministry. You, Timothy, you've been there all along. You've seen my doctrine. You've seen my manner of life. It actually reminds me of in Philippians 3 where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, is the idea of what he's saying there. That's what he's saying about Timothy here. You have followed me as I have followed Christ. You've seen my doctrine, you've seen my life, my purpose, my faith, what drives me, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance. You've even seen the persecutions and afflictions that I've been through. Specifically the ones which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. Lystra is Timothy's hometown. These are all cities right around that, cities in the region where Timothy is from. You've seen this, Timothy. You know this. You know what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, out of every single one, the Lord delivered me. You've seen this, and yet not only have you seen this, you've seen the Lord deliver me. 
Now, it doesn't mean delivered, as in Paul went through no pain whatsoever. We know there were times when Paul was left for dead. Paul has been beaten. He's been unjustly treated. But he's been kept from death. And God has empowered him to persevere. The Lord has upheld Paul for the ministry that he has called him to. And what Paul is getting at here is, Timothy, you've seen that in my life. And know that as the Lord has upheld me, he will uphold you. Because it's not about me. He didn't uphold me because I was special, because I was unique, because I am Paul. He upheld me because that's who he is. Because he is a faithful God. In fact, verse 12 goes on, yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecutions. Just as I have done this, as you have seen me, as you've followed my, my career, if you will, as an apostle, and you've seen these things, that's not that unique. In fact, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, which would be every single believer, should desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. All will suffer persecution. The call to godliness is not a call to an easy life. Jesus made that clear in his ministry. Take up your cross and follow me. They hated me. They will hate you. This is not something that's easy. And Paul's not here saying, Timothy, go out and seek persecution. That makes you a better Christian if you can hold that up and be like, look what happened to me, Elystra. You should listen to me. That's not the point. The point is not to seek persecution. In fact, in 1 Timothy 2, Paul tells Timothy and the church there at Ephesus to, to pray for the kings, for those in authority. Why? So that you can live peaceably. The goal is not to seek out persecution. But don't shy away from it. Don't let it throw you off course. Know that the God who called you to it will sustain you through it. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. That sounds just like chapter, verse 1 of chapter 3 that we were in last week. It's not going to get better. Times are changing. It's going to get worse. It will deceive. It will be deceived. Paul's not sugarcoating this for Timothy. He's not saying, Timothy, you know, I've laid the groundwork, so now your ministry is going to be really easy. You're following in my footsteps. I'm about to pass off the way. My, my, my race is finished, as we'll get in chapter 4. I'm done. My time has come, and, and I've laid the groundwork, so now it's going to be really easy for you, Timothy. You can do this. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Timothy, the road ahead is difficult. It's not going to be easy. You've seen me. You've been there beside me. And so it will be for you. You're going to suffer. But God's going to uphold you as he upheld me. Paul's not sugarcoating anything for Timothy right now. He's very honest with Timothy. Timothy, the journey is going to be difficult. What God has called you to, it's not going to be easy. But, he goes on to verses 15, 14 to 15, there's a clear path. 
It's a difficult journey, but there's a clear path. Stay on that path. He says here in verse 14, but you must continue. You must continue. Continue in what? Continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. The things which you have learned and the things which you have been assured of. The things which you've been trained, which you've been taught, and then those very same things which you have then been assured of. It's one thing to to learn something from someone else. It's something entirely different to experience it for yourself. To become assured of it. There's nothing like standing on the beach and looking out at the ocean for the first time. Someone can tell you how big the ocean is, how powerful it is, how beautiful it is, and how small it will make you feel. You can read all about it. You can look at pictures, and you can watch videos, and you can even believe it. But there's nothing like standing there on the beach and seeing it for yourself. That's when you become assured of it. There's nothing like wading out into the water and feeling the power of the ocean as it pushes and pulls on you. That's when you become assured of it. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. The Newmans were at the Grand Canyon just a few weeks ago. That's something else where I just, I imagine, you hear the beauty of it and you see pictures and you can watch videos. And you can believe that it is a beautiful thing, but it's something a lot different to actually stand there and to look out at it and to see how magnificent it is. There's a difference between learning something and being assured of something. And Paul here is saying to Timothy, you've learned these, but not only have you learned them, you've been assured of them, you've experienced them, you've come to know them as true. Continue in that. Stay steadfast. Don't waver. Continue in that. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Not just Paul, but but Timothy's godly heritage. His mother and his grandmother who labored to teach him the truth of the word of God. Who labored to model it in their lives. The idea here is not just something you've sat down and and learned in a book. You've seen this. You learned it from a grandmother and a mother who poured into you, and then you saw it in their lives. In fact, we just saw in verses 10 and 11, you saw it in my life. You have learned these things, Timothy. Don't forget what you've learned. Don't forget what you've seen. Don't forget who you've learned it from. who you've learned it from, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Holy Scriptures which lead to salvation. The Holy Scriptures which reveal your sinfulness and then reveal God's grace in sending His Son, Jesus Christ. Then we come to verse 16, a sure foundation. It's a difficult journey. 
but there's a clear path to follow. Continue on that path. Because you have a sure foundation. You have a sure footing. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God breathed, did not come from man. It came from God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We see two things about the word of God in this passage. First, the word of God is all we need for salvation. It shows us the way to salvation. It tells us of our sin and of our Savior. The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And yet it's also what we need for sanctification. Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for truth. It's profitable for reproof. That's correction. As it teaches us the truth, at the same time then, it corrects us. It, it convicts us when we are against that truth, when we are wrong. And then it corrects us. It's profitable for correction. It realigns us then to that truth. And then for instruction in righteousness. How to live in accord with the truth. That, to this end, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, lacking nothing for every good work, which Ephesians 2.10 tells us that God has prepared beforehand, that he has called us to. He has called us to it, and he's equipped us for it. So as Paul writes to Timothy, at the end of Paul's ministry, Paul's focus here is making sure that Timothy stays on the solid foundation of the Word of God. Because Timothy, times are going to change. But your circumstances aren't what matter. Because even in the craziest of circumstances, the sure foundation of the word of God stands. Even in the craziest of circumstances, you have a clear path to follow. Continue in that. So by way of application, a couple things. First, be aware. Paul, in this chapter, is brutally honest with Timothy. He doesn't want Timothy to get thrown off track, to be surprised at how, I didn't know it was going to be this bad. I saw Paul go through that, but I thought it had gotten better. Be aware. Recognize what you are called to. Recognize the dangers that you will face. Recognize that this life that you are called to in Christ is not an easy life. You will face persecution. The same God who calls you to that will equip you for that. So rely on Him. 
Run to him. Cling to him. Be aware. Know that it's coming so that it doesn't surprise you when it does come. So that it doesn't shake the foundation on which you stand when it does come. Be aware. And secondly then, be active. Notice the words that Paul calls Timothy. He says, continue. Actively. No. Actively. Be aware of this and then do these things. Recognize the tool that God has given you in the word of God and embrace it. Love it. Use it. Do not neglect it. It's not always fun or easy when it comes to the Word of God, is it? How often have you, have you picked it up to read it? And as you look in that mirror of the Word of God, you see how sinful you are. You see what needs to change. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. But it's always worth it. In the book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, there's a boy, a character, his name is Eustace. And if you know the story, Eustace gets tempted by gold, and Eustace gets turned into a dragon. And at the end of the book, Aslan comes after Eustace has learned his lesson, and Aslan, the lion, if you're familiar with the books, claws the dragon scales off of Eustace. And Eustace describes it as one of the most painful things and yet one of the most joyful things he's ever experienced. As Aslan claws those scales off of him. The word of God is like Aslan's claw. As it scrapes those scales off of us. And sometimes, often, it's painful. And yet it's often joyful. Always worth it. Do not take the word of God for granted. Love God's word. It's the foundation on which you stand. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. To the end that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Which implies that if you're neglecting the word of God, you are not thoroughly equipped. God has equipped you, but you're choosing not to take advantage of the tools that he has given you. You're choosing to be ill-equipped. Brothers and sisters, don't do that. Love the word of God. Let it convict you. Let it correct you. Let it instruct you. Let it teach you. Because it is through the word of God that he is accomplishing in you what he wants to do. He is molding you into the man and the woman that he wants you to be. 
loves the word of God. So like Paul this morning, this evening, I'm stuck on this morning for some reason. But this evening I would remind you that it's a difficult journey. But there's a clear path. Continue in it. And stand solidly on the sure foundation of the word of God. The word, which is able to make you wise for salvation. And which is able to work for God's glory and sanctification. Do not neglect the word of God. We're going to close by...